0: You sent in the wolf? Shit,
1: that's all you had to say Get away from her, you
0: bitch Banana, banana Aristotle was not Belgian Fortune and glory, kid Fortune and glory not even interesting enough to make me sick. It's only an island if you look at it from the water. I'm your density. You think I'm gorgeous, you want to kiss
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sending the Wolf. My name is Clark Wolf. Thank you so much for joining me. If you attended Comic-Con, I hope you had an amazing time. If you didn't attend Comic-Con, I also hope you had an amazing week. (laughs) Um, So I am freshly back from San Diego. Had an amazing experience. It was so much fun. Um, Thank you to everybody who came and said hello. Um, And if I missed you, I'm very, very sorry. Hopefully, I will have a couple more things in the near future um, around the country where I can say where I'll be, and we can all have a meetup and say hello. Um. So today's episode, today's episode is the Muppet movie with writer Josh A. Kagan. So now, if you are in the U.S., um, the Muppet movie is actually being re-released for a short time. I think there are two quick screenings, um, and uh, over the next week or so. And so I wanted this episode to come out around this time because you know people are going to be seeing it, of course, um, but also because you know, why not? It's a great time to talk about the Muppets. It's we could all use a little bit more joy and sweetness and sincerity in our lives. And um, to me, that's what the Muppets sort of represent. And so today and today is an extra long episode. I know it's coming to you um, a day late, most likely. But um, so it's extra long, and I hope you like that. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Um, Josh is a, not only a dear friend of mine, but he's a wonderful screenwriter. He has written um, the Kim Possible live action movie, and he has written a movie called Band Slam, and he's written many other things. And you've seen his name lots of places. But Josh mainly nowadays works in the uh, you know young adult space as a as a writer. He's he's not I wouldn't call them kids movies, but he is writing movies that are for young. People and um, and you know one of the things I love about Josh is that in his work he's often talking about things he treats young people as though they are people. Because I think it's real easy to fall into that trope of writing down, quote unquote, to kids. And Josh doesn't do that. And I think the movies that um, transcend age uh, also don't do that. And that he is in good company, because I would argue that the Muppet movie also does that. Um, And that's part of the reason why we love the Muppets. So, I'm going to keep the intro short and sweet because this is a nice long episode. Um, but as a reminder, if you are a $5, or I'm sorry, if you are a $10 or higher Patreon contributor, this Saturday we are going to be doing our monthly live stream where you get to pick the movie. So head on over to patreon.com slash Clark Wolf and mark your calendars. Um, and uh, $5 and higher Patreon contributors, we have a mini coming with Josh this Thursday. Uh, but uh, this was a long conversation, so it's actually a pretty long mini too, which is very exciting. So without further ado, here is Josh A. Kagan talking about The Muppet Movie. I'm pressing record. Okay. But we don't have to get started if you don't want. We can just... (laughs)
0: This is so casual. I know.
1: That's the idea. I um here I'm opening my can actually. Hold on. I I brought canned wine to Josh Kagan's house because I likes what I likes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because certainly there's nothing to drink at Josh Kagan's no, house. There's
1: plenty to drink. Dry
0: as a bone. I,
1: I would not ever want to be like, uh, uh, please provide me with alcohol. I just feel weird about it. So I brought my own. And um, Is it rosé? It is. It's a sparkling rosé.
0: That is great.
1: And it's, it's Underwood brand, as in Frank and Claire. Claire. Uh Claire. Claire. Mostly Claire. <laughs> let's, let's not us just go with Claire. Claire. We, we you know what? Let, let's take that back. Yes. It's Underwood brand as in Claire Underwood. Or Blair. Uh, or Blair. Oh uh, yes. I love it. Now brand. I'm
0: shipping Blair and Claire Underwood.
1: And they rhyme they too. They do.
0: But Claire. Yeah. That would be my ship name for Blair and Claire for the uh what show was Blair Underwood on? Was he
1: He's been on LA so Law? many shows.
0: What was his big one though?
1: Well, his I don't know what his big one was honestly because I feel like he's on everything.
0: He is on everything.
1: And uh, he was on Sex and the City
0: for a minute. It's true. And I liked that. He was on Mama's Family. Really? No, absolutely not. Okay,
1: I was going to say stop. There's no way. <laughs> Collaborate and there, listen. There is no way that that is
0: true. Uh,
1: um, before we, so also, Josh Kagan, we need hi. to talk about your t-shirt because the audience is not going to be able to see it.
0: I wore a themed t-shirt today because I'm a real cool dude.
1: I almost wore a Kermit t-shirt, um, but then I was like... No, I'll wear my my Rosemary's Baby shirt. Uh,
0: I am wearing a uh, Monkey's T shirt from the Mike and Davey show from last year uh, Mickey Dolan's and Mike Nesmith, uh, as the press likes to call them, the two remaining monkeys, which <laughs> makes it sound like an Agatha Christie movie. Oh, yeah, it's a <laughs> like little, little more like they're being hunted down for sport. Uh, no, and the reason why I'm wearing it is because. Uh, the great James Frawley, who passed away this year I, in January. I couldn't
1: believe it. Uh,
0: he directed, in addition to directing a thousand million hours of television, yes. directed a ton of episodes of uh, classic TV show The Monkeys, and directed the Muppet movie. Yeah. Which means he is probably responsible for like <laughs> 30 to 45 percent of my entire world view and perspective on comedy.
1: It's amazing how as I as I figured this out because I looked up who directed it before the movie started or before I started watching it again and uh and then kind of was scrolling through all his credits and god he had so many credits. I mean just yes. like all the TV forever, which is amazing, but then um I saw The Monkeys and I was like Oh, that makes so much sense.
0: It makes so much sense, uh, if you know me, certainly, because Mm -hmm. I am a giant dork for both of those properties. But it also makes sense, and I was thinking this today, because I was watching it, and I thought, boy, this visual language that this movie has is not necessarily a thing that Henson and Oz and company brought to the table. Sure. Um, And The Muppet Show's great, and Sesame Street's great, and it's not a commentary on their directing styles. Uh, Certainly Frank Oz, tremendous director, dirty, rotten scoundrels, playing on the theater in heaven. Uh, But like... It was, you know, it it, it was pretty much sort of straight ahead, nailed down camera for puppets. Yeah. Basically for puppets. Like, they had pretty easy sets and pretty easy setups. The Muppet Show had some interesting Ernie Kovacs type stuff. Sesame Street, kind of interesting. But certainly, like... From the technical achievements of the Muppet Movie to sort of just the short, the visual shortcutiness of it, and the seamless sort of going in and out of the musical sequences, mm-hmm. that's frolic. Yeah, and uh, you watch, you watch the Muppet Movie, keeping that in mind, and I feel like in a way, the Muppet Movie is a better Monkeys movie than mm-hmm. the One Monkeys movie was. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's not, that wasn't (laughs) Frawley. Have you ever tried to watch Head? No. Written by Jack Nicholson and a bag of weed wearing glasses? (laughs) Yes,
1: I am familiar with the concept, but no is the answer. I've never, I've never tried to dive in.
0: It's pretty unwatchable and I am about as big of a fan as you will find who's able to make eye contact.
1: Yeah, I think that that's fair. I mean, I, I remember, um, so... There was a series of shows um, for the audience, if there are people on the, listening to the show that don't know. Um, VH1 did a series of, like, pop documentary, you know, things with comedians called I Love the 80s, I Love the 70s, I Love the
0: I remember 90s. all of those. I,
1: I, and I watched those all the Like, if they were on, you just put them on in the background. Oh, and, yeah.
0: I feel like those bought Michael Ian Black like a golden hovercraft.
1: I, they They absolutely like i feel like he probably him and hal sparks were the two like oh, s- you know like the two big breakouts of the of the i love those but that said um i guess paul Sheer too not that paul Sheer wasn't working before he was but i know like he he did a lot with vh1 after that um oh, yeah anyway the point is though that uh Head they talk, they got into head on the I love the seventies. It was the seventies, right? Or it was it the sixties?
0: Right. It was it was released like six months after anybody gave a shit, which was one of the this could this could also be an hour of me talking about that movie and it is not going to be that. But basically, and this will segue back into the movie we're talking. Do you need to like introduce me or anything? No. Great. Uh <laughs> hey everyone, I'm Josh and I love the sound I of my do, own dumb white I guy. Do,
1: voice. Uh I do the intros pre-recorded.
0: Um he, one of my pet theories about the Muppet movie is that it is one of the finest, and this is going to sound like real Hollywood, uh, bloodless vampire guy. Uh, and so please know going into this that I love this movie just about more than anything else in the world. Was watching it this afternoon, literally started crying uh, because it is at, up there with Les Mis as an effective tear removal machine. Um, it is one of the best, Best introductions of a previously existing IP into the cinematic realm. Okay. I put it up there with Superman the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? I put it up there with uh, a boy named Charlie Brown. Okay. Uh, slash Charlie Brown Christmas. Um, I'm trying to think, I had other examples of it, but it is a, oh, the Brady Bunch movie. I would say that. It is a very difficult and challenging thing to take a thing that either exists just in comics or just on television. Mm-hmm or just, uh, or whatever, uh, and to sort of open that up for movies, and I, I think when we talk about that, I think the Muppet movie is one of the best examples, Mm -hmm. um, and I wish sometimes other IPs would take a lesson from it. I did not see the movie, I suspect you did, because it is your job, but, uh, Detective Pikachu kind of looked like that. I did not see Detective Pikachu. You didn't Pikachu. see Detective
1: Pikachu. I don't get invited to all the things anymore, you know. Oh, sad. I know. Tell me about sad. it. Sad. So sad. But I, um, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about the visual style. And something that was interesting to me was this is a movie. So, okay, my revelation. I told you before we started rolling, I have a revelation. Okay. Um, I don't think I've ever seen this movie. Now I've seen wow. pieces of this movie sure for sure and I think what happened was a babysit. my babysitter Heather uh, sat me down and put on the Muppet movie for me and I think I went no I'm not interested Great Muppet Caper was my jam
0: This is so on brand for you is it yeah that feels that feel, because there's because Great Muppet Caper is more of... It's more of a genre movie. Yes. Um, whereas this, where is the Muppet movie is very on brand for me because it is a classic buddy road movie.
1: Totally. And I was shocked at how adult this movie is. Like the notion that there that these uh, the Muppets are going to be murdered at every turn was very jarring for me today. Well,
0: it's it's it, it is totally that, but I think you really hit upon something in that because I kept thinking of like other IP. I hate to say IP because it really makes me sound like I'm wearing a suit and then I'm going to start talking about content generators or whatever the fuck. Josh uh, is wearing a suit,
1: but it has the monkeys T-shirt yes. under the jacket. Oh, <laughs> Just I am
0: the worst mid- middle-aged Hollywood. <laughs> jackass um, but uh, you take a movie like and this is gonna be controversial for some of your younger listeners mm-hmm. you take a movie like Space Jam mm-hmm. which is in my opinion, not very good. No, I would agree. not. Very a movie that is loved by folks and did well, but not very good in translating what necessarily made the Warner Brothers characters so beloved. Totally in their short form, uh, in their short form cartoons. And I think part of that is because uh, it just wasn't that great of a movie, and they kind of did not really go about it the right way, in my opinion. Uh, but also, I think it's because. With so many with so many worlds, with so many IP worlds, with so many especially like cartoon and comic-based worlds, there isn't a lot of room for self-reflection. There isn't a lot of room for stillness. You would never see a thing where like, and this goes back to like the old Bugs Bunny cartoons, which I love dearly, but there's never a scene of like Bugs and Daffy sitting at a bar just being like, how you doing? Right. Um, and that's something that really struck me today watching it. There's that amazing scene between Kermit and Rolf before the song. Right. Uh, I hope that something better comes along. Right when Piggy's ditched uh, Kermit at the uh, at the fancy chalet restaurant, it's just two sentient lumps of fabric having a conversation. Yep. And then they go into a song. And for all we talk about the movie's visual style, this is just two shots. Of two lumps of carpet going back and forth next to a piano. And it's wonderful and perfect. And I feel like the Muppets are the only kind of, one of the only worlds that gives us that, that gives us that depth of personality. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is because they are still, they are manipulated in real time by actual humans. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think it's because all of these characters have what I like to call, They're like two and a half dimensional. Mm -hmm. They're not real, real people, but there's just a little more going on with all of these characters. But at the same time, they're very easy to sell to an audience. Yeah. They're very easy. It is, and the amazing thing about the Muppet movie is, it's a musical, doesn't really have an opening number. It has a prologue that, and he even has that music where it's like dun, 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 dun. and the camera like pans in on the on the motion picture studio dun, 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 mm-hmm. and you feel like this is gonna be an opportunity for a song and then you see Statler and Waldorf and they're <laughs> like this is probably gonna suck. Yeah it is fart and uh and uh and right away we're just so... it's very funny to me that those are the first two characters that we sure. meet and they're almost I feel like they're almost here to be like, Hey, uh we're not going to take this super seriously, so everybody just relax. And I wonder if that was almost because white men existed in the late nineteen seventies. Uh, I have to assume there were grown-up Muppet nerds, and I have to assume that if there was an internet, there would be people complaining about how the Muppets were ruined and sold out. Um, so I like that the movie starts off with just like people going like, "All right." Just relax, everyone. This is going to be real goofy. So, like, don't worry. We're definitely in control here. And then we meet all of the characters, because the movie starts with the movie about to be screened, our first level of reality in the Muppet movie. Um, And we very quickly, we meet Fozzie, we meet Piggy, we meet Kermit, and it's all in sort of the ruse of, like, we're going to show this movie that's the story of the Muppets. But in that, like, 32 seconds we immediately know what Fozzie's deal is. He's, like, awkward, and he's anxiety-ridden. I can relate to that. We Scooter is terribly helpful. Uh, Miss Piggy is, like, vain, but she also loves Kermit more than anything else, and Kermit's just trying to hold everything together. And, like, if you've never seen these characters before... You get it.
1: Well, so t- correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, the Muppet Show or the T V version of the Muppets existed at this point, correct? Totally. So and then the, the Muppet Show as I remember it, uh, or was it called The Muppet Show or Muppets Tonight? I it was t- called
0: the Muppet Show. Muppets Tonight I is think it was later. in the nineties. Yeah,
1: okay. That was that was like a reboot. Right. Yeah. OK. So either way, though, um, the Muppet show starts with an opening number. Yeah. It, the credits, right, are, are a big song and dance number. Yep. Yeah. So I wonder if it was a conscious choice to separate this, the movie from the TV show to not go into that opening number.
0: I think that's I think that's a really good point. Um, I think it's a combination of the two things we're saying. Yeah. I think it's to separate it. A lot of work is done to separate this and to open it up from The Muppet Show, which is amazing and wonderful, but very claustrophobic. huh. Um, like, it's just, it's one big soundstage. Um, so I, I I think they get around that. And I think it is, again to introduce all of these characters. If there's a chance you're walking in off the street and you don't know who any of these carpet samples mm-hmm. with googly eyes are, mm-hmm. it is a very quick sort of like... Yeah. Yeah, it's a reminder. Um, But it also... But it serves the purpose of a big opening number without a song. Sure. Which I think is really interesting.
1: So uh do you remember the first time that you saw this movie?
0: Um, So it's 77, I think. I think. Um, is it 77? It's late oh, I think, 70s.
1: Um, I didn't write down the year. I know uh, Caper is 81. Yes. But I'm thinking you're probably right. Yeah, somewhere
0: around there. Yeah. Uh, I, I, internet, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, I have to ask. <laughs> um, I. You know what I remember? Yeah. I remember watching a TV show that one of those like weird summer replacement series that was like half variety show and half just sort of like, here's some movies that are coming out this summer. And I remember seeing the fork in the road scene on some like summer, like here's a clip from the movie. And I saw that and I was like, well, I'm in. I'm immediately in. I don't know if I have a, a clear memory of like actually seeing it in the theater, but- um, certainly I remember like the impact it had on me yeah. was, uh, it was not to be underestimated. So
1: there were so many gags that like, for instance, fork in the road. I also remembered, um, I wrote it down because I wanted to be sure I, I remembered the frog legs video, like Doc Hopper's, uh, v- black and white video yep. of him being like, come here and blah, blah. It's this commercial Yeah, that I remembered. And the uh, Steve Martin at the dinner scene. that's what I remember classic, but aside from that, you know,
0: was this all new for you? It was all new, so would you so stop interviewing me? What did you
1: think? Well, this movie was like really mean. It felt so mean to me. That's amazing. They're so mean to the Muppets. like every human that the Muppets encounter is literally trying to murder them. I mean, and I just was like, "But why?" Like the Mel Brooks scene, uh, that was rather upsetting to me. Just
0: two, <laughs> just two men, just two grown men uh, dueling <laughs> with their best uh, stereotypes. Mel Brooks being uh, a hateful German, yes. and Charles Durning being a hateful Southerner. Yes, um, and really just going for it. Not my. That's probably, in my opinion, the weakest scene in the movie. It's so interesting that you say that because I regard all of the humans in this movie is tertiary. Oh. And for me, it's It's always been more the story of a bunch of like-minded weirdos finding each other and making their dreams come true. Uh-huh. So it's fascinating that you think of it as a mean-spirited movie. Uh, and I guess when you put it in that context, you are absolutely right. Doc Hopper 100% wants to either have Kermit in his frog... By the way, I love that this takes place in a universe where just everybody's eating frogs legs. Sure. Just constantly. Like you do. They're the nugs of this (laughs) earth. Um, But uh, yeah, and he wants Kermit to be in his frog legs commercial and if not alive, then dead. Um, But... Well and Steve Martin is a jerk. And uh Well, and that was literally his I mean, job in no, the nineteen seventies. I get it.
1: Yes, incorrect. Yes. <laughs> um uh, but the and obviously the used car salesman. I mean again, these are char- these are characters or caricatures that are doing what they're supposed to be right. doing. But it um him and then uh the and then Mel Brooks shows up and then I'm, there's another big one that I am forgetting where it's just Tilly like Shelly
0: Savalis wants to beat up Kermit yes! because he talks sideways to Madeline Kahn. Conn- <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I was
1: like, why is everybody so mean?
0: Because, because, <laughs> oh, Clark, I hate to be the one to break this to you. The world's a terrible place, <sighs> but, and the only thing that makes it better is to find the people who share your beliefs and ideals and band together and then fight the world back with your power of love, positivity, songs by Paul Williams, and dander.
1: But I just could not. I could not imagine being a kid and like a little one and watching this movie and being like, this is fun.
0: But all the adults get, sh- that's fun. Now it's funny that I just, said, of course, they are all adults. Um, they all end up getting shown up. They Or do. escaped. They do. Uh, and I think when you're a little kid, what do you want to see when you're a little kid? You want to see your kid analogs. And in this case, I think the Muppets sort of represent, they're sort of like these weird... Neither adults nor children, uh, but they're very idealistic, and there's an innocence to them, and uh, and I think you want to see them. I think kids see this and understand, like, yeah, all of the humans in this movie are kind of messed up, but I guess when all of the Muppets find each other, then it's not so bad for them. Yeah, uh, it's kind of yeah. Uh, I find your of, tribe. Find yeah, your I, 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 I. Uh, the synapse that this movie occupies is always occupied with uh two other movies, uh Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Kinda obviously. Uh, and then Ed Wood, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite all-time movies. Uh, and is and is kind of they're kind of all, especially Ed Wood in the Muppet movie, like it's about making your miserable, stinking life better through the power of Hollywood magic. Totally. And finding other weirdos. I, and I love it so much. I
1: totally, when I was watching this movie, I was like, yes, I understand why this is a Josh Kagan pick. Like I totally, <laughs> it's like, it's talking about being on brand. But it is funny because, you know, I grew up in the time where um, the Muppets like Really, they were making a push for the Muppets to come back. So
0: every five to 10 years, but I feel like. I'm
1: talking about movies. Like, I grew up with Muppet Christmas Carol. I right. grew up with, in addition to Great Muppet Caper and the other stuff, the sure. stuff that had come before. But, like, there was a. There was an active effort in the '90s to put out Muppet movies, to do Muppets on TV, yep. and so I, I just feel like for me, the the Muppets that I grew up with, even going back to Muppet Caper, which was '81, it wasn't that much far, it wasn't that much um, later than the Muppet movie. And I grew up watching the original Muppet show. Sure, like in and Sesame Street. Exactly. Mm. But um, like, like, uh, like, oh God, um, Muppet Christmas Carol and uh, and Muppet Treasure Island specifically were two, and even Muppets from Space, which is not great, but like that came out when I was the right age-ish right. for it, you know? So these Muppet uh, properties feel just a little different to me than this one.
0: I would go farther and say that no other Muppet feature really, really gets close to capturing this one spirit, except uh, Seagull's The Muppets.
1: Which also is, I did not like, but I loved Muppets Most Wanted.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And again, because The Muppets is the Muppet movie upside down and backwards, and Muppets Most Wanted is great Muppet Taper upside down and backwards.
1: But with, yeah, and with like Um, funny celebrity songs.
0: And they're both pretty good i think the muppets is pretty good um i what i lo- i think i'd have to watch them both again i think uh, uh muppets muppets go wild what the hell is it what was it we were just talking muppets about
1: *Muppets most wanted muppets
0: most wanted not a great title uh <laughs> no. muppets most wanted i think has a tiny comedic edge in the same way that great muppet caper does because there's almost this sense of like <sighs> Alright, we did all the heavy lifting. You know who they are now. Right. You know of this felt. Yes. Now we can just run around and have adventures. Sure. Um
1: Yeah, and I do see how, you know, the Muppets is it was it was maybe sincere is the wrong word, but it is done with a very like Jason Segel is clearly pouring his heart out into this, and everybody making the Muppets, the yeah. the that movie was clearly like it just felt very earnest. Yes, you know, and
0: I think that is, I think that's a huge part of a six of a successful true Josh Kagan Muppet yes. project. Um, there is. Uh, you know, there is an earnestness to it. There is a... Again, like, it's weird to say about a thing where, like, there's a guy and he kisses a chicken and boomerang fish and shit. But, like, they have... They all really believe in what they're doing. And Mm -hmm. I'm I'm talking about both the Muppets themselves as characters and then the people who have made the bonkers commitment to like putting their hand in these felt lumps and, you know, and spending millions of dollars to do it. Like Jim Henson, I think nearly died for that opening shot where Kermit is uh, playing banjo in the lake Mm -hmm. uh, because he was underwater in a metal box staring at a black and white TV. Um, Like you don't... Do all of that unless you really have this just burning desire to have these things tell this story. Yeah. Um, And it's, and it's, and it, it just, I think the reason why the Disney Muppet movies in the 90s feel different is because that's when they begin to regard the Muppets as a repertory company, which is Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. the wrong move, but it's almost like they treated him in the same way that they treated Disney characters in the 80s with, like, Mickey's Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. Where it's mm-hmm. like, well, okay, Mickey's kind of earnest. I guess he's Bob Cratchit. We can sure, just sure, do sure. this. And, but again, I don't know what's in Mickey Mouse's heart. I don't know what's in... I mean, besides just, like, well, I'm gonna be a good guy. And I know Donald's kind of a jerk, and Daisy has a bow in her hair, and Minnie has a bow in her hair. And that's about it. But you... And, you know, and, like, Bugs Bunny's a stinker, and Daffy Duck is greedy, and Elmer Fudd wants to shoot a wabbit. Fozzie wants to be loved. Mm-hmm. Kermit wants to make people happy. Piggy wants to be loved. Gonzo wants to be accepted. Like, these are real human characteristics that you don't necessarily see, you don't see in other worlds, you know. I would, get, I mean, I think the closest I think you could see like Homestar Runner. I don't
1: know what that is. Oh,
0: Homestar Runner was a Flash cartoon, sort of, uh, uh, early 2000s, sort of, and it is sort of an amalgam of Warner Brothers, the Muppets, and Bugs Bunny cartoons. Okay. It sort of takes a bit from all. It's these two guys from Atlanta, your, your oh, hometown, A-T-L. uh, the Chapman Brothers, uh, but uh. But again, it's just like once you move away from the fact that these lumps of th- these lumps of shag have feelings, you're not quite getting what it is that's so great about them. And the reality not the reality series, but the faux office like reality series that was a couple years ago on ABC overcorrected almost Because they kind of put modern anxiety on top of it. I watched the pilot. I don't know if you ever saw the show. It takes takes place behind the scenes at Miss Piggy's talk show. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, Kermit's the producer. And in the first episode, Kermit and Piggy break up. Kermit's being interviewed at his desk, and he's like eating a bag of chips or something. And he looks at the camera and he says, I'm sorry, I'm a nervous eater. And I was like, that's a bridge too far. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know that much about Kermit. I don't need to know. I don't need to. I just need to know that Kermit wants to make people happy and is trying to herd cats and getting a show made. I don't necessarily need to know that like, and I'm on Klonopin, or mm-hmm. whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, so I keep going back to them and I feel like with every Muppet movie they get. So the, the Muppet movie is sort of like, the, to me, this. This weird, cynical, emo masterpiece. Mm -hmm. Because there are real moments of pathos. There are real moments of laughter. It is a dangerous universe, Mark, as you pointed out. Very scared. Uh, But... But everybody's looking out for each other and taking care of each other. And I think the more, like, and then you go to a Great Muppet Caper, and that's just a little more like, okay, so you know all of these guys, and now here they are in this kind of movie. And then Muppets take Manhattan, it's like, well, here they are, but it's in a musical, and then everything sort of disappears. And then they're just sort of like, they're just sort of stick figure version themselves uh, in the 90s, and then they disappear. And then Muppets, it kind of comes back. But for me, I feel like... Uh, I feel like it just doesn't get better than this first movie as far as like getting to know just enough of these characters, putting them in a patently absurd universe and then giving them a script that works like a fucking clock. I was, I was timing it today. Every 10 minutes you either get a new character or like you meet Kermit 10 minutes later, you have his objective. He wants to go to Hollywood for a frog audition. He meets Fozzie. He meets uh, the bad guy. Ten minutes after that, they meet Gonzo. Ten minutes after that, they meet Piggy. It's just, and it just kind of hums along like clockwork. And it is so, and one of the reasons why it's so efficient is because they don't care about a lot of things. Like the setup to the movie is that Dom DeLuise gets lost in the swamp, has a five minute conversation with Kermit. At the end of which he's like, oh, you know what? This reminds me, there's an audition for frogs who can sing and dance in Hollywood. And it's like, oh, well, I guess I had better go to Hollywood then. And that's stuff like that, stuff like that and the gag where uh, Dr. Teeth is like, well, we knew you'd be here because we read the screenplay. Mm -hmm. That's all kind of like this comic and visual style that I feel like Frawley cuts his teeth on, on the monkeys. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just, it's, I keep going back to like, Efficient. It is such an efficient movie and it gets you through it so smoothly that that at the end of it, you're you're not even sure what's happened and you've just got a big goofy smile Mm -hmm. on your face. Whereas I think sometimes with movies that are introducing the character, you're like... It's a half hour before something happens. Well, we really need to get to know what makes these characters. Peter Parker can't just get bit by a spider in the first five minutes sure. of Spider-Man. We need to know, like, oh, well, you, you know, he's Mary it's, Jane and things like that. And his like, uncle died. No, and hmm. the, well, yeah. I mean, that's all, and that's all an important part of it. Uh, and I'm really happy that we're now to the point in Spider-Man movies where we don't have to do how Spider-Man got his powers, like this weird like Stations of the Cross thing that we do every year, or like a nativity scene.
1: I, I look forward to the day where we don't have to do that with Batman's origin story. I if I
0: never see a I fucking mean, slow motion shot of fucking pearls yes. splattering across the sidewalk and then an overhead shot of a boy being sad, I yeah, no, we're good, we're we, so good on this, we know why he's Batman's. We
1: all know. We um, all know. Anyways, um, the Muppet movie. Do you have a favorite Muppet? Is it
0: Fozzie? Oh, it's Fozzie. Oh it's yeah, Fozzie? it's Fozzie. That's 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 well documented. That's like I I was hanging out with a group of friends once and we were like talking about like oh what Muppet would you be? and before I could get it out everybody was just like oh you're Fozzie and I was like well oh, you can't hurt me with the truth y'all. Um, <laughs> there is a. Uh, When we first meet Fozzie, he's doing a terrible stand-up comedy set. God,
1: and everybody's so mean to him. I felt so... It was like, oh, God. I was just like, maybe I'm just too sensitive. But I was like, poor Fozzie. Like, I just want to hug him.
0: Well, and then he says the line when everybody's just like... To be fair, his act is terrible. I mean... It's very bad, it and that's bad. this, and that is that is such a beautiful, almost Chekhovian character to be like. All I want to do is make people laugh, and I am not funny, mm-hmm. but I'm going to try anyways. And he says this line when everybody's booing him. He says, "Please, I'm trying so hard," <laughs> <laughs> and I have thought that so many times in the brief time that I like dabbled with being a performer. I always had this thought in the back of my head, like, "Oh, please, everyone, I'm really, I'm really giving this my all," and it is. Absolutely all that I have. Uh, and the other thing that I love about Fozzie is that he is, when we meet him, he is a sidekick looking for a top banana. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and he meets Kermit and he's immediately like, you're the guy I want to follow around. That sounds about right. Uh, and uh, I, I admire that. I admire people who feel like they do not have to, I feel like we live in a time where everybody is the star of their own show. Right. Um, That's not in a get-off-my-lawn kind of way. I just think, I think that's the cult. We are a very self-reflexive culture. Yeah. And the technology is there to make us all feel like we are uh, 24 hours a day on our own reality us show. Um, And that's, I don't Care for it because I find other people more interesting than me. Hmm. Um, but and I think in many ways, Fonzie is the same way. And Fonzie in the movie is just sort of like, all right, well, I'm no good on my own making people laugh, but this guy thinks I'm funny, this guy sees promise in me. Uh, let's just get what are we going? We're going to Hollywood? Well, all right, Mm -hmm. well, okay, then, yeah. Um I I love it. I love it. He is he is helpful. He is a the other conversation where people answered before I could. Uh, and mind you, I am not super invested in the Harry Potter verse. But people were sorting each other into houses, and I was like, well, I'm not super familiar with it. What do you? And everybody at the same time went Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. Yeah. yeah. And I was like. <laughs> Yeah, okay, yeah. The Hufflepuff, I guess. Uh, but I mean, from what I know of the Harry Potter universe, I feel like Fozzie is like a quintessential Hufflepuff. He is, he, he, he is, he lives in the life of a moral victory. Yes. Like, well, we gave it our best shot. What are we going to do? Yep. I guess, Waka, waka, and we're all friends. So we're all friends. Fine. and let's laugh so we don't cry,
1: yeah. I think um I think Kermit's probably my favorite of like the old school, but I do have to give a shout out to Pepe, the King prom. Do you know Pepe?
0: I am familiar with Pepe. My favorite thing about Pepe <laughs> is when he goes on talk shows and affects uh, what Samuel L. Jackson wears on talk shows, which is <laughs> a sharp red blazer, a black turtleneck, a gold chain, and a backward Kangol's hat. It is uh, Kangol hat. Uh, they're not a team, uh, but yes, he's wonderful.
1: Pepe is just. I remember when I first because it's. I he first shows up in. Um, I God, which one does he first? The movie. Because I remember he shows I think he first shows up in uh L- um Muppet Treasure Island because It makes sense. It does it's make nautical. sense. It is nautical. But he's not the same Pepe as when uh he shows up again in Muppets from Space. Because in Muppets from Space, he, that's when he smoking is very bad for you, okay? Yeah. <laughs> like the whole, just all of the, all of the, okay? It's it's like that that's where he shows up. That's where he is and I am just like god that is so funny. Yeah. Like Pepe is so funny. He's <laughs> And he's
0: still funny. To he's me. a good add to the team. Over the years the muppets have added people that, or people puppets into their roster. It's very easy to talk about them more in terms of being humans. And again, I feel like that goes they, back to the fact that they exist in three dimensions. And
1: they do. Uh, I I've done, a, I've never like worked, worked for the, you know, creature shop or for Henson, but I moderated a panel for them at a convention one time and I got to tour the, the shop oh, that's dope and it hell. was amazing. And, uh, but the, you know, the whole thing is true that they don't, they don't, you know um call them puppets they call they are muppets yeah. and and the whole deal of like so so i i think that they feel like real um entities because behind the scenes and in front of the camera they are treated like real entities
0: yeah um pepe is a great ad walter was a controversial ad
1: wasn't 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 a fan of walter
0: no uh he he served that's it, it's very that's a, that is a difficult and controversial character. I did not mind him because I understood what the movie was doing sure. with him, but as far as when he came back in uh uh Muppets save the world, I Muppet's most wanted. Yeah. Um it refuses to stay in my head. Uh, I was very happy that he was like sort of
1: high and bi pushed
0: back. Yeah. Uh, because he's just, he's just kind of a weird Kermit scooter, uh... Hybrid. Hybrid. Yeah. And, and you don't need him. Nope. But Pepe's great. Pepe, and I think Pepe would have fit in just fine in the world of The Muppet. Totally.
1: Movie. Yes, I agree. Especially in the 70s. Um,
0: Kermit's your favorite. Yeah. Kermit. Why is Kermit your favorite?
1: Um, because he's just very sweet. He's just sincere. And I do think he's funny. I yeah. think Kermit's funny, just in a different kind of way. Um, and, uh, if I could pick one Muppet to hang out with I would totally hang out with like I actually would hang out with Kermit I wouldn't hang out with Dr. Teeth or, like you know
0: that song's great though
1: there's lots of good stuff about yeah about all of them um but yeah I just you know I really I really like Kermit I just like and maybe I really like his voice too and his sweet face
0: yeah you're both also like doers and organizers and herders
1: true True. Uh,
0: so I think so. I can see that on like I, like on a, a personality level. I feel like you both have sort of the same basic uh, priorities in life.
1: Well, I think that's a compliment, and I appreciate it. Oh, hundred percent No, I didn't, a I didn't think you were saying it yeah. in any other way. But um, I will say I have to point out that um, God do I love when Miss Piggy goes on talk shows or when Miss Piggy goes on the Today Show. What they do with Miss Piggy when she is live, just she is the sassiest. Like I don't give a fuck. Like it, it's amazing.
0: She's so great, and she is, she is one of, she is so. And it, it pains me because that last Muppet uh, series was not very good. Piggy is so perfect for 2019. Yes, you could put her on any Bravo show. You could put her on, you could give her any reality show. She could be on The View. Yep. She could yes. have done she could have done the third hour with Hoda and Kathy yes. Lee. Yes. Like,
1: <laughs> I think she did it
0: a couple of I'm times. I'm sure she did. <laughs> she is. There is something about there's something about Piggy's character that fits our she's an influencer. Mm-hmm. She, before there was a word for it, I think the thing that Piggy most aspired to be wasn't even you could completely see her having her own version of goop. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't know. I, I like. I don't know if she would. She would absolutely charge way too much for. Like she would like, g- like take kelp and lily pads from permit swamp and like sell them uh, for like five hundred dollars a bottle. Sure. Uh, Piggy absolutely would have a CBD skin cream. Mm-hmm. Like she and and you know and she would be at the Met Gala. Um, like. I think she, I actually think she just, they need to break her out.
1: I agree. Like, that's what I was going to say is I actually like Piggy live. I like Piggy on shows. I like Piggy interacting in our human world more than I really do like her in the movies. You know what I mean?
0: I com- I completely agree. Um, I, yes, she is, she's a tricky character. She really is. She's a tricky character um, because... I think, for better or for worse, she was sort of uh she was sort of trying not to be too much of a dude here uh, and talk about shit that's out of my lane. She definitely was, I think, attempted to be held up as a feminist icon mm-hmm. or at least sold as one, perhaps to sell like calendars and magazines and things of that nature. um, and I but of course. She is voiced by a man and she right. is written by men and it is sort of like it's sort of it, it, they get like I Piggy's version of feminism is that she will punch you in the face. Right. Which has its place. Again, in 2019, absolutely. That is a that is a tool in your toolbox, but like uh but the thing is that the, the It's weird, the thing that's so interesting about her is that on one hand she is sort of sold as a very empowered female character, even before that was a phrase that was thrown around, Uh, and... Will literally, but at the same time, is incredibly vain, which is fine, and is head over heels in love with Kermit and will never take no for an answer, mm-hmm. which is weird. Yeah. That's she- a weird rel Kermit and Piggy have a very weird relationship. And it's summed up so perfectly in the song Never Before Never Again in the sequence that goes with it, where it's Piggy's imagination and we see her imagining like all of these different movie scenarios for the two of them to be in Casablanca, right. Barry Linden, uh, whatever, uh, some corseted running through a field thing. Uh, but like in all of this, <laughs> she is head over heels in love with Kermit and yet he is always secondary to Piggy. Like there's a, like in one scene, she's sitting on the banks of the, of never before, never again. She's sitting on the banks of this river and Kermit. Appears to be drowning. Mm -hmm. He appears to be thrashing for his life, which is weird because he's a frog. He should be able to swim. Um, There's another scene where they're running through the forest and Kermit trips and falls. Piggy does not notice, keeps running. Kermit gets back up and follows after her. Like in all of this, it's always like Piggy's fantasies are about Kermit, but Kermit's never as important as Piggy.
1: Yeah, and on top of that, Kermit like comes around, but he never starts with being like, I like you too. He's yeah. always like dismissive, dismissive, dismissive. And then in the end he goes, oh no, of course I love you. Yeah. That's confusing.
0: It's a bad rhythm. Re- they're, they're both making, they're both making mistakes. Very making mistakes. And that becomes more and more of a thing as the Muppet movies go on. But in this one, it's just more like, well, Piggy's, Piggy's just more of a type A. Yeah.
1: And you know, I will say too, uh, the idea, you know, Piggy is kind of, aside from like, I guess Janice and Camilla Piggy's kind of the only girl if if we're talking about like gender I suppose and and like you know obviously gonzos or whatever and all of that but like yeah like Piggy's the only girl and so Piggy actually always felt to me like a commercial idea of what a girl would want to watch like a misguided you know because she has beautiful clothes and she's very much like I am the star of the show like she feels like like a five-year-old
0: she has to be literally everything because she is the only woman in this universe exactly and I think I think you I think you much more sort of just kind of I hit the nail on the head on why it's kind of weird to be like, well, so is Piggy a feminist icon or is she not? And it's like, it's weird because that's like part of it, but she has to be literally everything and appeal to literally every woman because she is in this world, the only game in town. Exactly. Um There was, I, th- I want to say it was a Kate Spade short, like film commercial where Piggy, Piggy was like she was either with Heidi Klum mm. or with
1: I. I think I remember her Piggy
0: and Heidi Klum together. Yeah, and they were great. And wait, and the I can't believe I'm blanking on her name. The uh, the young uh, Busy Phillips. Uh-huh. I feel like Piggy might have done something with Busy Phillips, and the two of them played off each other very well. And I think Piggy would be great if we put her in a universe. Where she was not the only lady who existed.
1: I think if she was the, if if it was only ladies who existed in Piggy's universe. Like, I agree. I think she actually, her banter, especially with morning show hosts, with divas, with, you know, supermodels. Oh, Piggy and
0: Mariah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yes. And Celine. I think she and, I think I have seen Celine Dion and Miss Piggy do something together. I'm sure. And that's perfection.
0: Um, Cher and Piggy. Yeah. I mean, come on. Share and Piggy alike. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, um, but in this movie, uh, I think, and again, it's like we are meeting. We, the movie does not assume that you know everything about these characters. Right. And so we're meeting all these characters for the first time. And we know that Piggy is fiery and vain and loves Kermit and is not afraid to stand up for herself. And for a movie where there is only one lead character who is a lady, you could probably do a lot worse. Sure.
1: Absolutely. Yes. It's, it's just interesting because I have always sort of felt that way about
0: Piggy, even since I was little. Well, I think, yeah, and it's because I think it's almost like they're going like, all right, girls, here's your girl. Yes. Here's your girl Muppet. We She's gave a girl. We girl
1: Muppet. Here's your lady.
0: Yes. She's You better like her because it's the only one you're getting because Janice is high and Camille is a fucking chicken. Yeah.
1: Pretty much. Um, yeah, I but you know, we love her. We live here. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention real fast before we like sort of move on is um uh I grew up in Atlanta, as we mentioned, yep. and um there is a center for puppetry arts in Atlanta. And That's so we cool. would yeah, and we would go to we would go on field trips there and it's it's in the city and um and there was a lot of Henson. A lot of I mean, you know when you're thinking about puppets, obviously there are other there are other aspects of puppetry that you could teach children about, but like the idea that we always had Henson actual Henson puppets like that we were had access to and you could see. And it was, it's just very, you know, and it's not lost on me that, you know, when I watch these movies, I, I actually do not to say that anybody else wouldn't, but I, I do appreciate the artistry of the puppetry and what the, the tech, the, the magic that they're able to do. I mean, literally like talking about magic that magicians would do in live shows and they are applying those same principles to this art form. It's very, very cool. And it is, um, it's, I, I don't want to say it's under talked about, but I just feel like it's worth pointing out the, the artistry of all of this.
0: I mean, the thing about it is, is that in order for this to work, it has to appear like it was the easiest thing exactly. in the world to do. Yes. And again, I use the example of Kermit playing banjo uh, in that opening Rainbow Connection sequence, because people would always say to like Henson and his associates, like, "You made Kermit ride a bicycle. That's the most amazing thing I've ever seen." And they were always like, "Yeah, it took two days to have Kermit appear uh, <laughs> just with you know full body with no." Evidence of a puppeteer yeah. that nearly killed us. Um, I don't and I think it's that so it's <laughs> you never see how hard they are working. Right. And I think that is one of the reasons I think I think about this a fair amount. I don't think people really give a shit about the Muppets anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think part of that is because as a universe, it has been kind of woefully mishandled for Mm -hmm. the most part. Um, but I also think that tastes have moved on. I think what people expect from entertainment has moved on. And I think like I grew up, I was, I think I'm one of the last generations to grow up with like rem, very evident remnants of vaudeville in Mm -hmm. the entertainment that I took in. Uh, be it like Bugs Bunny or be it the Muppets or be it whatever. I mean, the Muppets literally takes place in a vaudeville theater. Um, And I think, and there were other, and I saw other puppet-based entertainment. I went to puppet shows. Mm -hmm. I was familiar with like Kukla, Fran and Ollie and shit like that because, you know, that was still, because I grew up during the height of like boomer nostalgia. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the further we move away from that, I will never forget the first time that I realized that somebody might think the Muppets are whack. Uh, I was watching the Simpsons in college. They go to a drive-in movie theater. Uh, I believe it is the episode where, uh, where Troy, uh, I haven't watched the movie or the TV show in so long. Troy was, hi, I'm Troy, whatever. Troy McClure marries like Patty or Selma and they go to a drive-in theater and it's like some Muppet movie and, uh, It looks real shitty. Mm -hmm. Like the Muppet movie looks real shitty and you can see like tape and strings and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. They're making, they're making, Mm -hmm. they're making fun of the Muppets. Which
1: by the way, bold move Simpsons. I mean, I don't know. They're, I, mean, I think they got their heads up their butts. I'm not a Simpsons fan, though. So.
0: Uh, I mean, certainly, I w- you know, I was like a 20-year-old male in the 1990s. So sure. I was like totally, I was totally in for it. Uh, but it was the first time that I was like, oh, some people regard this as like old-fashioned and whack. And I wasn't particularly mad about it. It was more like, oh, it never occurred to me that there could be things to make fun of. But I guess if you are a little younger and did not 100% grow up with this, and we are now entering a world of, like, CGI effects and things looking photorealistic, amazing, don't even get me started on that Lion King reboot. (laughs) Oi, That just... No, I don't even want to talk about it. Um, they don't have faces. They can't show emotions. They're just fucking cats. It's, they yeah. can't smile. They can't wink. They can't do anything. It's, weird. it's a weird choice. It's such a weird choice. Uh, love Disney, though. You guys are great. Uh, <laughs> keep paying me. Uh, but uh, but I think I think there is, no matter what they try and do with the Muppet property... I think people just sort of now look at it as a bit of a relic.
1: It's interesting because I would actually venture to say that, um, you know, and yes, I grew up at this time, but I think an example of a Muppet property that has really stood the test of time is Muppet Christmas Carol. Every Christmas, like, it is there. I I watch it every Christmas. Sure. Uh, alongside Scrooged and Elf and all the other ones, right? I think that Disney's control freak uh attitude about all of their properties meaning oh no you can't rent them you have to buy them right oh no we take them out of the disney vault even though i know that's not really a thing anymore but you get what i mean like it's if if muppet christmas carol were on netflix i would put money that muppet christmas carol would be probably the most watched thing on netflix for the months of November and December. Like
0: if they debuted it as a new thing.
1: No, if they just made it available. Yeah. And and I think, you know, with Disney Plus coming out, maybe Muppet Christmas Carol, that's where you'll be able to like actually watch it as part of a streaming platform. Sure. um, As opposed to, oh, I have to buy it and pay $17 for this or whatever. But my point is just that I do think that they're... I don't know. There's something 'cause and I also grew up in the time when um Muppets on A B C were doing Muppet Wizard of Oz and they did um another Muppet Christmas movie, but it was like it was not
0: These are the gar- these are truly the garbage. They're years. really
1: really bad. Yeah. But it's too bad because Muppet Christmas Carol, I mean, sells out the new Bev every year.
0: Yeah. It's for it was a different experience for me because that was very I, because number one, I think I was like, was I, think, I in college? I think it the, was
1: like 94. Yeah, I was a senior in college.
0: Um, and that for me was, that was the first project without Jim Henson. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. And that was very difficult for me and my friends to sort of sure. put on our big kid pants and go see this movie and just sort of like brave it out and tough yeah. it out. Um, and it is, it is great. Good and fine. It's I, a
1: really good Christmas Carol adaptation, though. Yes, it's very, and that's that's something that I actually kind of give my. I,
0: and Kane is a very good Scrooge. He's a great Scrooge, uh, and they very seamlessly blend yes, the, the humans, worlds. the human world together, and it's good. And then Muppet Treasure Island is like, eh, I really like it. It's. Again, it's good. It's because now when we talk about Muppet movies, we're sort of talking about them in waves. We have the original trilogy, sure, sure. Then we have the Disney movies, yep. and then we have the absolute garbage years. No disrespect to Ashante, who is wonderful and deserved a much better Wizard of Oz. True, true. T B H. Yeah. Um, but like that, and that Muppet movie is bad, and then the Muppet. TV show reboot that was bad Muppets Tonight was like okay like Prince was on it mm-hmm. that's cool as hell mm-hmm. uh, but yeah it's just I I again I think the fault both lies with whoever's sort of manning the wheel at, uh, at Muppets Inc and just like I don't think there is I don't think there's like a burning desire I think it's mostly like I think it's mostly like people your age and my age at this point. But keep
1: in mind, and this is what I was getting at, is that uh, people my age are having kids now. Sure. And so Muppet Christmas Carol was part of my Christmas growing up.
0: And you will pass that down. Exactly. One night. That's, That's great. exactly
1: right. So I, I do think that there is an. Now, new Muppet movies, like how do you make it cool and hip for the kids? Like, that You I, don't. I, well, that's
0: the thing. I don't think you can, but you can't really make them. And that was the thing about The Muppets, the Jason Segel, The Muppets, is that like it was very specifically made for fans of The Muppet yes. movie. And it was like, well, Jesus Christ! We have to at least get this these people back first, yes. If we're ever going to have a shot, and they sort of did, but then they didn't really hang on to them, and then and then
1: Muppets Most Wanted is like a variety show yeah. with the Muppets because you have Tina Fey and Ricky Gervais and like every. Every there, the the list of cameos. Oh,
0: and so, and I mean, and that's and that, those, that, that music begins is so good. And that begins with the Muppet movie, which is in addition to, I think, being a great way to transfer, as I said, an IP from TV or another medium into film. Uh, I want to say it's one of the only truly great all star quote unquote mm-hmm. movies. Like, when we talk about. When we talk about movies from the nineteen seventies and eighties that had uh, little rectangles yep, with I, all the little I, small heads. I was thinking that too. I was exactly <laughs>
1: Superman t- the Superman the movie had yep. it at the bottom. Yes.
0: But like t- but also like Towering Inferno yeah. and shit like that. But like I never gave a shit about movies like It's a Mad 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 World. Right. I know some people really love that movie. I do not care for it, uh, because I don't think farces should be three and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. That's just me. Kind
1: of defeats purpose.
0: Uh, yeah, but like I really appreciated uh, watching the Muppet movie again today. It's like we just, we, in the first 15 minutes of the movie you get like 10 cameos. Right. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And then the movie chills out so it can tell its story and then we, and then you know, they dole them out sort of slowly but surely. Um, But at no point does it ever, everybody is, everybody's sort of I think the difference between this and a movie like Muppets Most Wanted is that in this movie, everybody's playing for the same team.
1: Oh, totally. Muppets Most Wanted, yeah, is like, is is vignettes and segments. And everybody's
0: and- doing their own thing. Totally. Like, Gervais isn't in the same movie as Tina Fey, and Tina Fey isn't in the same movie as the guy from Modern Family, and, and so on and so forth. Whereas you get the feeling, and I think it's because they worked to pick people for the Muppet movie who had a Muppety sensibility. mm Uh, Elliot Gould is in the movie for 42 seconds, but that's just, that's just a Muppet in a human suit, Elliot Gould. Sure. It's crazy to me that he was ever a name above the title actor, because you're just like, but you're just my uncle. You're just my weird uncle. How are you? How did you sell movies? (laughs) There's
1: hope for all of us. There is. Um, cool. All right, so everybody gets to add a movie to the list that is not on the list. Josh Kagan, what movie would you add to the list?
0: Rock and roll high school.
1: Okay.
0: Like, I don't even have to think. Uh...
1: To the songs list or to the general AFI top 100? Because I, I, was- I... think
0: Well, the, and the way that we got into this, I don't know if either of us said this, is because Clark said, look at all the lists. And I immediately, because I care more about music than anything else in this world, uh, I looked at the songs list and I was like, well, Rainbow Connection. I mean, Rainbow Connection. Obviously. Obviously. Can we, before we go into yeah. this next, can we talk about Rainbow Connection for a minute? Sure. It shouldn't work. It shouldn't work at all. Why? Because it is it is a series of inspirational memes. Mm-hmm. Um, it is like it's if you just were to look at the lyrics, it looks like a series of greeting cards or Ziggy cartoons. And so I was watching it today, and I was like, why does this work so well?" And I and for me, it goes back to because the people, who wrote it? The people who are singing it, the people who are making all of this happen, truly one hundred percent believe every word of it.
1: That's what I was thinking as you were talking. As I was like, but we just—I mean, the the idea of the earnestness of this movie, yeah, you know, and the sincerity of this movie, of of the hard parts and the scary parts, but also the very inspiring and family and sweet parts. You know, I think that. The, I wasn't around at the time. I don't know. I can't speak to the idea of how things have changed and how things haven't changed. For instance, I was telling you before we started rolling, I'm listening to the You Must Remember This um, series about Karloff and Lugosi and talking about how these teenagers in the 50s went to the Lugosi movies and just laughed at Bella Lugosi and sure. and just openly mocked him when he was doing a a touring show to try and make money. And he does. He, they bring up the curtain and Bella Lugosi. This is in this is a stage show for yeah. our audience. And so they're sta- he's standing there at a lab like recreating things. And teenagers just went to openly mock him. And what stood out to me was the idea that oh you know we we say oh these millennials it's their everything is their fault they're the first generation to ever be assholes which by the way i take issue with because i I'm a millennial, and I don't think we're assholes. For
0: the record, at no point have I said that. Not you, but I'm saying I feel yes. like
1: the the attitude. No,
0: and if Gen X, Gen X, and Boomers say that, well, that's that is that is richer than a than a carton of that Magnum ice cream with the chocolate <laughs> top.
1: But I said, but what? Yes, but what I'm <laughs> what I'm sort of getting at is the idea of like the memification and 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 each line being being you know a little sugary and whatever of of Rainbow Connection, it just feels to me like, but that's the whole deal. Yeah. That's this whole deal. and
0: And as I was watching it, I was like, this is like, and you're absolutely right. And that's the conclusion I came to as well is because it works because every, because when you see inspirational memes on people's Instagram stories, There is not necessarily any, there's not, it's just like, I have slapped these words together and I put them over a sunset or a SpongeBob still or whatever, or Snoopy hugging Charlie Brown. uh, And then I wrote, let go and let God over it or whatever. And, uh, and you don't, I just, you just don't buy it. There's nothing invested in it. It's just another, it's just sort of another image that flashes by one of the thousands of millions of images you see every day. But Kermit believes it so much. And also the other really interesting thing about it is that he's singing that song ostensibly to nobody. Mm -hmm. He is in the middle of an empty swamp, and we have we have set up that there is a level of reality where this is the movie version, but we can believe that even Kermit in his quote unquote real life was just playing the banjo and singing because he likes the sound of his own voice and the way that it sounds in the swamp. And if an alligator hears it and likes it, all the better. Um, And again, it's just that it is an invested, truthful earnestness that makes this song work. All the songs, we don't... I'm going to... Stop talking. But all of the songs in this movie are so good. And I don't know if Paul Williams is ever this good before mm-hmm. or since. Mm-hmm. Um, every song in this movie is perfect. Uh, especially Can You Picture That, which I think would still, somebody could have released in the 1990s as like a hard rock song mm-hmm. and it would have done fine. Mm-hmm. Like Aerosmith could have done it. Uh-huh. It would have been great.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I don't know if that's a compliment.
1: Um, Sure, why not?
0: Rock um, and roll high school.
1: Yeah, so tell me, because I've never seen it.
0: Um, Rock and Roll High School is a Roger Corman produced movie directed by Alan Arcush, uh, who also directed Get Crazy, uh, which is another tremendous movie and very much cut from the same cloth. But uh, very simply, uh, the Ramones are the biggest band in the world. They are coming to a small town and the Ramones number one fan, Riff Randall, played by Halloween's PJ Souls, uh, wants to get the song that she wrote to the ramones so she can have written a song for the ramones it is wonderful from top to bottom it has it is invested with a very like mad magazine zucker brothers feel to it very loose improvisational feeling there is a great central female friendship uh, between PJ souls and uh, the actress who plays like the quote unquote smart and nerdy girl uh, and riff a uh, Randall who's the PJ souls character is the coolest girl in school and it's never an issue in their friendship. And I love that so much. And they just sort of help each other and look out for each other. Uh, the Ramones, all of the songs are great. They are comically terrible on screen. Um, and it is just like, it is, it is a tribute to both like Tex Avery cartoons and sort of those 1950s rock, 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 twist the night away, mm-hmm. kind of like the first wave of black and white Sam Arkoff rock and roll movies. And it is, it's just tremendous. It is. This is how much of a dork I am. I got the Blu-ray. The Blu-ray has four separate commentaries on it. Kayla was out of town. And I watched Rock and Roll High School three and a half times in 24 hours. My God,
1: that's kind of amazing, though. I wanted to hear everybody's stories. I think that, and I bet stories they had.
0: Yes. Stories. They did. Re- and, and then at the end of it I was like, well, now I'm going to put this DVD in the shredder because I can never watch this movie. I have overdosed on this movie. Uh, but it is uh, truly wonderful. There are a, a, always a caveat with movies from this era, especially ones that sort of... Re- oh, and it's a Roger Corman movie and exploitation movie that, again, for the most part, treats like women like humans, which is Pretty. a big rarity, yep. especially in the works of Mr. Corman. That said, there are one or two like problematic Laughs in it, um, which like if there if and if that's a deal breaker for you, uh, then definitely don't watch the movie. Uh, but Paul Bartel and Mary Warrenov are in it, um, so it's just filled with these great like Corman era exploitation actors. Uh, but it is sort of at its core a movie about the healing power of the Ramones and friend and friendship, and like. It's just, it is squarely in my wheelhouse.
1: I love that. And I was, uh, so I just looked over the top 100 list because I was thinking, what would I add to uh, the songs list? Yeah. And um, I want to point out that Lose Yourself by Eminem is on here at number 93, which that's not me being disparaging. That's just me pointing that out because that thing you do is not on
0: this list.
1: And I think it should be on that list. That would be my addition to that list.
0: That's a really good call. That's a really good call. I Um,
1: want more people to celebrate and love that thing you do because I think it is more so than just being, again, sugary and nostalgia. I actually think it's really fucking funny. Yeah,
0: it's it, a very good movie. Yeah. Uh, and that's, uh, as I'm sure you know, that's Adam Schlesinger from Fountains of Wayne. Yes. Uh, who did it, Fountains of Wayne. He did all the music for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, and he was one of the main songwriters and producers on The Monkey's Good Times to bring it back to the monkeys. <laughs> it and the, yeah, because it all comes back to the monkeys. Uh, but uh, he is one of the best pure pop music tunesmiths. He's on the Josie and the Pussycat soundtrack. Like, generally... Anytime anyone needs a, well, this movie needs a perfect three-minute pop song. Better call Adam Schlesinger.
1: It's, you know, it's one of those things where, um, so that the song, that thing you do has made its way into, I don't know what our, so our grocery store out on the West Coast that's like Kroger for East Coast is Ralph's. And um, whatever Ralph's, whatever music station Ralph's plays, it, it could be, maybe it's a, Pandora or a weird corporate thing. I don't sure. know. But that thing you do is in the rotation. That's dreamy. And I have to tell you that I, there, there have been many a time where I have had, I've been having a really bad day and I'm in a really bad mood and I'm going to the grocery store and I'm mad because I'm just like, I had to get all my stuff and I'm, and I, whatever. And I have been in a Ralph's and that song comes on, that thing you do. And it immediately I, I start, like,
0: yeah.
1: Yep. And I immediately I'm like, I love this song. I it, it yeah. makes me happy.
0: The, this is why to me music is head and shoulders. And this is an odd thing for a person who works in the film industry to say, <laughs> I think music as a medium is head and shoulders above just about everything else. As far as giving you a quick hypodermic shot of emotion to the neck. Like yes. it can just, I mean, and you know, the right movie can absolutely do that too, but you have to like, you have to like sit down and you have to like, all right, I'm going to watch this movie. And to me, watching the Muppet movie today, the parts where I found myself tuning in the most were for the songs. They are, for the most part, impossible. It's impossible to feel bad while hearing these songs. Yeah. Um, and and absolutely, but that to, that to me is like, and so the movies that I love definitely always have some kind of, even if they are not musicals, they definitely have like, or they're not about music, but they definitely have very identifiable songs or very identifiable scores. Like all of the Star Wars movies are great, but I contend that if you want the feeling of sitting through a whole Star Wars movie, you just have to listen to the theme. hmm like, sure. that's like, and that's like the, that's like the cocaine, that's like the quick snort of the Star Wars universe. It's like, bum, 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 you know, and you're just like, yes, yeah, fucking Star Wars, this is great. Same with the Superman theme. John Williams yeah. was so good at that yeah. sort of thing.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Agreed. No, I agree 100%. And.
0: Stop talking. No, I'm not,
1: I, I. <laughs> hey, if you got the time, I feel bad because I've kept you a long time. But um, I was going to say to our audience, if you haven't listened to this soundtrack, obviously watch the movie if you haven't, but if you haven't listened to the soundtrack, the soundtrack is lovely. And I will, I will on my own personal recommendation, um, the music in Muppets Most Wanted was done by Brett from Flight of the Conchords.
0: Yes.
1: And it is insanely charming it is so funny. It is like the music in Muppets Most Wanted. If you are on board with Flight of the Concords, please listen to that soundtrack because it is so good.
0: Uh, the I believe all releases of that soundtrack have Brett's demos as well. Yes. Uh, That's and, a fun little thing. And his demo of Cockatoo in Malibu. I think is almost superior uh, to the version that the evil frog sings.
1: Constantine, Constantine. the frog. Oh my who, god! Who cares? Oh, oh man!
0: A brilliant character.
1: i number one. Yeah. It's just who cares? <laughs> that,
0: was, uh, that was that was a phrase that got Kayla and I through okay. an entire year, a difficult year. Uh, not with each other. Just life was throwing yes. us a bunch of shit, and we'd just be like oh who cars? who cars who cars It's so good his voice work and then i promise i will let you end <laughs> this podcast no! uh, the actor's voice work i don't know who is it i want to say it's jerry jewell at this point it's whitmire know. i think in muppets it's it's whitmire it's it i think um a lot of different i think there's a new guy who's kermit now i think whitmire either passed or retired um but uh The voice work that whichever actor does as Kermit and Constantine is really brilliant because there's that one scene where Constantine is learning how to talk like Kermit. Mm -hmm. And it is brilliant in that same way that like when Mel Blanc would make Bugs do an impression of Daffy or Daffy do an impression of Bugs. Um,
1: So now this is. This could be a lie, but um, I did think that I remembered this. So Steve Whitmire is the voice of Kermit the Frog. However, on IMDb, Matt Vogel is the voice of Constantine.
0: Th- two different actors. Two actors. Well, I take it. Well, then, but still hats off to Vogel for doing, for managing to do an impression of a Russian frog doing an impression of the most no, successful American I frog. I mean, truly. That's still a neat trick. And
1: the fact that. I and I, the only reason I know this is because I had um, bought the soundtrack and I was looking this stuff up at one point, like maybe two years ago or something. And uh, and and I noticed. I and I specifically looked up. Oh, is it's clearly the same guy, right? No, it's oh. not. And I was oh. like, oh, that's. That's really fun. Yeah,
0: Brett did the music in uh, Mackenzie. I, yes. I was saying Brett. his first name because I forgot his last name, not because we are friends. No. Um,
1: <laughs> if you were friends, please introduce me.
0: Yeah, that would have. Do you think that wouldn't have come up?
1: I do. I know it would
0: have. Um, but uh, no, Mackenzie does the music for both of those movies. I think, and uh, they're both spectacularly good.
1: You're right. Actually, I think because I am. Um, so I actually. Um, McKen? No, I can't spell. I did the press line for Muppets Most Wanted. Nice. And uh I kinda when, when Britt came up, I was like, I just wanted. I, he's so cool and he's really cute and he is very he's cute. really talented both of and those concords. those concords, they, those concords Dishy. they they flight.
0: Uh did you see when the Muppets were at the Hollywood Ball two years ago?
1: Okay. This is a great way to go out because great. <laughs> no, this is on my list. Uh no, I didn't. And I, everyone that I talked to who saw that show just said it was outstanding.
0: This to me is whoever, I don't know if it's still Disney who owns the Muppets or if they are their own autonomous being or if some giant international syndicate owns them, who knows with the wild and woolly world of content, perhaps they are owned by like some kid named Taylor who has 10 million (laughs) followers on YouTube. We just don't know anymore. Um, to me, this is now, because we were talking about before like, the Muppets are now sort of like a little out of time. They are, they're unstuck in time and they're very much now sort of like a remnant of, of an entertainment industry gone by. Still beloved by us who grew up with them. And if you show them to kids, kids will like them. But as far as like getting... Anything other than, you know, your five-year-old to be quiet for 10 blessed minutes while you just take a pill and relax. Um, like, I think the live experience is now the move for the Muppets. Yeah. If, for, if they were to call me up and say, Josh, what should we do? It's like, take that show you did at the Hollywood Bowl, make it horrible. Um, HBO I, special even an HBO special a limited Broadway engagement yeah. because and we talked about this at the beginning the edge that these characters have over the Warner Brothers characters over Disney characters no matter how many ways you dress somebody up like Mickey it's still like you don't care you're not invested in this thing this weird automaton no It's that they are and can be live performers. Mm -hmm. Um, The Hollywood Bowl show was so good, A, because it was just like this giant, obviously it's just a giant sugar rush of nostalgia, but sometimes the people who make The Muppets, I was talking about this about the new Madonna record the other day. I think Madonna is an artist who has forgotten most of the time now why people like madonna um and as a result her music is people can disagree uh and there were a couple good singles off the new one but like she is in this period of her life now where she's like trying to always chart new territory and never really look back and you just sometimes you listen to it and it's like i don't know this isn't necessarily why i go shopping at madonna this is not necessarily why I why I listened to her in the past. And that doesn't mean that people can't grow and change. But I think you always, if you are a performer or an actor or writer who is of a time, you need to always figure out a way to keep one foot in the modern times and still pay attention to the thing that made people love you in the first place. And I think over the years, sometimes the Muppets have been very good at that, and sometimes the Muppets have been very bad at that. And I think the live show was 100% the way to, because it was like, it was still a very modern experience, and there were very timely jokes, and there were very funny jokes, But it still is, in this way, it's a big variety show. A big, live variety show. And it felt so much better, and so much, for lack of a, sort of a duh word, like, so much realer than seeing a Muppet movie or watching a Muppet TV show. Because it's like, oh, they're performers. This, first and foremost, they occupy all three dimensions. There are humans controlling them. And this is the, it's a fucking puppet show. This is the ideal way to see them. And so if I were in charge, I would be like, let's not make movies anymore. Let's not spend that. Let us put that capital into figuring out a way to either tour the show or do it at the Pantages and do it on Broadway. And I think, and to me, that is, it is a perfect combination of everything that's great about the Muppets now and everything that was great about the Muppets then. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I hope they come through again because the show, I'll be the nine thousandth motherfucker to be like it was great.
1: I would have, I would have loved to have seen it. I would have, it truly, I regret not. I think I was at a, it was at a time where I, I could not afford the ticket. You know what I mean? Sure. And so I just didn't go. And then so many friends that I saw I, that 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 I had that did go. Yeah. Just said it was the best, the best thing they'd ever. It was seen.
0: really wonderful, and it was the first time in a long time that I was like, oh wait a minute, this this still, this still works. Yeah. You didn't. Now, I want to take a step yeah, back. Yeah. Did you enjoy the new Madonna record?
1: I haven't even listened. to Oh, okay. To I, yeah. I was
0: now. I was afraid. I had like, oh, what if Clark's really into it and no, I've no. stepped on could, some toes? Could not weigh
1: in. Could not weigh <laughs> in. I, you know, I, I don't even, I don't even have music on my iPhone right now because I can't figure out how to hook the damn thing up to the thing. I don't know. How to...
0: Do you need a white man to explain I... it to you? Because I am right here.
1: Perfect. Let's pour, <laughs> we'll pour another drink. That will we'll
0: be, right be on your Patreon bonus <laughs> material. Josh mansplains an iPhone iPhones. to Clark iPhones. for iPhones. two seconds before she punches him dead in the throat. And I go, hi! Perfect. You and, go. and Piggy's giant crazy eyes in the Muppet yes. movie. Which, oh, it's wonderful. Anyways, so
1: Muppets. All right, Josh Kagan, this was fabulous. Thank you so much. Thank you, Clark. Alrighty, friends. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Sending the Wolf and our conversation about the Muppet movie. I love the Muppets and um, all the a lot of their most of their things, in fact. And uh, I I do hope that we are able to crack away, like as a society, to to bring the Muppets into the forefront of pop culture and entertainment again because they're just so darn delightful. Uh, And I'm so happy we have them. All right, a mini episode is coming soon to Patreon. Check it out if you're not already a contributor and if you're not a contributor and don't want to do patreon that's also fine thank you for listening please share this episode and uh subscribe we've got only one episode left this season our season two finale is coming up next week and it's a big one long episode great guest and a classic movie so you're not going to want to miss it all righty friends until then take care (music)